And if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to John chapter five, uh, John chapter four. We are going to continue on looking at that passage. For many, this is a familiar story. Um, it is. It is one of the ones that has uh, so much for us. Uh, to know and hear about. We're going to work through uh, the, the verses of this story uh, bit by bit and see what, what the Lord has for us to learn today. Let's start reading at verse 1 of chapter 4 in the Gospel of John. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. And there came a woman from Samaria to draw water from Jesus. And Jesus said to her, draw water from the well. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. There are lots of different directions that we could go in this passage. There is so much that is going on, uh, so many wonderful truths that we can glean out of this interaction that, that Jesus has with this woman by the well. Um, but today, um, I want to look at this passage as a, as a model for us, as some principles that we can use for how to be able to share our faith. Um, I've entitled this sermon water cooler evangelism um, because in some ways Jesus was having a water cool conver water cooler conversation with this lady uh, just as we would stand around a water cooler at our office and have a conversation that's what Jesus was doing there with this with this woman it was just a natural kind of an interaction it was something that people were doing all the time uh, there wasn't any special event or anything that was created it was just they were doing life together and Jesus saw the opportunity and used it in a powerful way to touch this person's life and and that's the first principle that I see coming out of this passage for us in how we should be sharing our faith um, the first principle is that personal contact is an important part of evangelism. I'm a part of an organization, Power to Change, used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ Canada. Uh, there, there was a time when Campus Crusade was all about the big events. Uh, when, they would, when they would do nationwide campaigns of I found it and uh, 
What were some of the other ones? Uh, they, well, they did Power to Change. That's actually how eventually they came to change their name to Power to Change was because of uh, that campaign that they did years ago about how Jesus is the power to change. Um, they would do big events on campus and they would bring in big speakers like Josh McDowell and they would do these great big events and, and it was this powerful thing. But as time has gone by, as, as, as useful and helpful as those big crusades have been, more and more uh, our organization is discovering that that effective discipleship, making disciples happens in a more powerful way in a personal connection, in a one-to-one -one interaction. Uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association also is seeing that, and they are, have, have, have uh, downgraded. They still do crusades. They still do the big events, uh, but they are putting much more of their investment, much more of their time into personal connections, building relationships with people and sharing Christ in that one-to-one -one kind of a setting. And that's one of the reasons why they've been partnering with our organization, uh, being able to do that on the internet so that, that distance and time and all those kind of things don't get in the way. We can build relationships, have conversations with people who are responding to the message of Jesus Christ online that we can then follow that up and continue that uh, personal interaction and discipleship there. This was this very much was Jesus' ministry as well. Uh, we see time and time again that even in these big events, Jesus stops to have a personal interaction with somebody. Uh, you can think of of uh, uh, Nicodemus that we talked about here a few weeks ago. Uh, that nighttime conversation that he had with this religious leader from the, of the Pharisees. Uh, you can think of Zacchaeus. As Jesus is walking along with this great big crowd, he stops and talks with the little man up in the tree. Uh, the woman who had been suffering from bleeding for 12 years and, and, and looking for healing just wanted to touch Jesus' uh, uh, cloak so that she would be healed, and she was healed. And Jesus certainly could have just kept on walking because the deal had been done. She had received the healing, but he stops and he asked, who was it that touched me and had a personal interaction, a personal connection with that lady? One of the most effective uh, eternal influences that you're going to have on people's lives is through a personal one-to-one -one connection. Being able to, to, to look them in the eye to be able to walk them through the truth of Jesus Christ and the difference that He's made in your life and helping them discover that for themselves. Let's continue reading. Verse 8, chapter 4. His disciples had gone away. Maybe we'll just back up from 7 again. Uh, there came a woman from Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealing with Samaritans. 
Second principle that we can pull out of this is that we should be able to speak to whoever the Holy Spirit would bring in our way. Um, there were a, a million. Maybe that's a hyperbole. Maybe that's a little exaggeration. There were lots of reasons why Jesus should not have had this conversation. She was a, a, a woman, for one. And, and not just any woman, but a woman th that had a past with, with a lot of baggage and a, and, and a reputation. By Jesus speaking to her, he was inviting all kinds of hmm, speculation from everybody else around of, of, of what kind of a relationship he was having with this woman. What were they doing that he would know a person like this? could have definitely had a negative impact on his reputation. She was a Samaritan. And as we've been uh, learning about in our study of Isaiah at our Bible studies on Thursday night, the Samaritans were a, a, a people who, who had long ago abandoned worshiping God in the way that He had called them to worship and they had created their own understanding of God and, and this was generations and generations later that, that there had been this enmity between the, the Samaritans and the, the Jewish people that went all the way back to just after uh, Solomon's reign. Um, and, and there was... Uh, the Samaritans were worshiping a false god, a false religion. And Jesus, by, by spending time with this woman, was, was risking himself, okay, maybe not, but risking himself being influenced by her false religion. It's one of the reasons why the Jews would have nothing to do with Samaritans was because they were guarding themselves from being influenced by their, 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 um, their lies, their deceptions. All kinds of reasons why Jesus should not have had this conversation. And yet, the Holy Spirit had arranged for this interaction to happen. And Jesus went for it and grabbed at it and, um, and engaged. No matter what kind of talk there would be, no matter what kind of negative consequences there might be, this woman was too important to ignore. The Holy Spirit brings all kinds of people into your life. And for many of those people, you can come up with all kinds of really good reasons why you shouldn't spend any time with them, why you should avoid them. One of the principles that we learn here from Jesus is uh, don't miss an opportunity. You never know what God is going to do through this individual. We, uh, we continue to re we read the end of the story already, how many in that city came to faith because of this woman's testimony. And just, if Jesus would have ignored having the, uh, extending the love of God towards her, how many more in this city would have also 
missed out on what Jesus had. God is going to use you not just to speak to the individual of that person that is unlovely, uh, that person who has uh, got some wrong ideas and some false, uh, false ideas of what spirituality has, is all about. Uh, maybe they've got a reputation, uh, a negative reputation that, that if you were to hang out with them, other people would begin talking about you. Don't miss out on what the Holy Spirit is trying to do through you because of your fear of how this might be the wrong person and the wrong interaction. Let's continue reading. Jesus answered her, verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He has given us this well and, and drank from it himself and did as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The third principle that I think we can draw from this passage is to allow the Holy Spirit to turn everyday, common, normal conversation pieces into a spiritual conversation to talk with people about Jesus. There are some people that are masters at this. I, I do not claim to be one of those. My grandfather, uh, my mom's dad, Abe Waldy, was an amazing guy who could do this. He, he, was, he was renowned and sometimes feared because he could take any, any topic, any life circumstance and turn it into an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Um, at his 90th birthday, um, they had, had put out just kind of an open uh, invitation to anybody who wanted to come to celebrate Abe Waldy's um, birthday with him. Uh, they put it in the paper and a bunch of other places like that. The hall was packed. Many of the people, Grandpa didn't even remember. He didn't know who they were. But they had given a, given a chance for an open mic where people would come and share. And, and time after time, somebody would get up and say, uh, 60 years ago, Abe Waldy was riding his bike by our farm and, and, and went and, and ran out and, and jumped on the back of my dad's tractor while he was plowing. And that night, our whole family gave their life to Jesus. Or somebody else would say, I, I was in the mall in Lloydminster. And I went and sat down beside this man and he started telling me about Jesus and I gave my heart to him. Uh, Grandpa could take any conversation 
and turn it into an opportunity to tell somebody about his beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. One of my mentors at seminary, his name is Ed Gertson, uh, would always carry a little, a little New Testament in his pocket. And uh, he would tell us that he was going fishing. <laughs> and we'd be sitting down at coffee someplace, any kind of a public sp spot where he would go. Is he'd have a seat and take out that New Testament and put it on the table or someplace out in plain view for other people to be able to see. And then he would watch. And while we're talking, his eyes would be going around until he would see somebody take a second look at his New Testament. And he'd go, I got a bite. <laughs> and then he would take his New Testament and go over and strike up a conversation with that person and many times share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and see them right there in that place to be able to give their life to Christ. Jesus took a very common, ordinary, everyday kind of a topic. I need something to drink. And he used that as an opportunity to share the good news about salvation that was come to the whole world and made a difference in this, this woman's life. Now I have to say, in order for that kind of, of um, interaction to come off authentic, and genuine and not just kind of forced or, or some formula or, 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 or gimmicky in any way. There needs to be a, 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 an everyday authentic relationship that you are having with Jesus Christ. So that, it, that when, you, when you interact with somebody like that and you bring up Jesus, it's because... You've already been talking with Jesus. You, he, he's been foremost in your mind throughout the day. You've spent time with Him. And, and, and this is just an, an overflow of that time spent with Christ. It's just natural. Just like you would talk about your kids. You would talk about your parents. You would talk about your friends. You just talk about this Jesus who is walking life with you. Don't let that, though, scare you off and say, well, I, I don't have that, so I, I can't do the, the evangelism. Brothers and sisters, please live in that place. If for no other reason than we live in a world that is full of lost and dying people, that you need to be in that place where you have that real moment-to-moment -moment kind of relationship with Jesus Christ so that it is just naturally flowing out of you that whatever conversation that you have, He's going to play a part in it. So that you can then have the joy of seeing Christ rescue a lost sinner before it's too late. We need, we need to be walking day by day, moment by moment, uh, for no other reason than that. Not to mention, it makes life way better when you're living that way. Let's continue to read verse 16. 
Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The fourth principle that we see from this interaction is make it personal. In, in the work that I do, uh, having conversations with people online, I come across a lot of people who want to debate, committed atheists, uh, or committed, uh, committed uh, Islamists, um, uh, committed uh, Hindus, all kinds of people from different world religions, worldviews, all that kind of stuff who want to be able to, to debate and, and convince me that I'm wrong, um, uh, convince me that I don't know what I'm talking about and all the rest of that. One of the things that I always try to do in those interactions is to take it from the, the theoretical, the, the, the philosophizing, to making it personal, personal to talk about it's one thing to have a conversation where you're talking about why does God allow evil in this world it becomes a very different conversation when you ask them how do you deal with the evil that's in your own heart and share with them how how Christ makes a difference in my life to deal with the evil that I have within my heart the the darkness the things that I don't want anybody to know about it, 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 uh, there are some guys that just get upset when I keep on coming back to talking about that's good but how does that worldview work in your life how do, how do you get satisfaction how do you have peace in your life when you when you deal with the 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 the, tr the losses that you have the the pains that you have the the things that you don't want anybody else to know about that go in the thoughts that go through your minds the the actions that you've done in your past how do you how do you respond to that making it personal helps them to suddenly realize that this isn't just a philosophy there are real connotations for each and every one of us uh, that, that, that Christ wants to make a difference in our lives individually. And by taking them there and, and walking them through that, doing it gently, not becoming condemning. Jesus doesn't, uh, doesn't weigh her down, doesn't, doesn't make a big deal of it, but, but he also doesn't let her get away with ignoring the truth that's in her life making it personal. Continue to read verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. 
We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and, and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The fifth principle is be prepared to address wrong world views. Just because you are going to make it personal, you want to take them to a place where, where they see the, how, how the rubber meets the road in their own lives doesn't mean that we avoid the, 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 the uh, conversation about how their worldview is, is misplaced, is, is mistaken, is, is, is leading them down the wrong road. Um, Jesus doesn't ignore the fact that she is trying to very quickly deflect from the personal to, to taking it back into the philosophy, uh, theological kind of place. He, he doesn't just sidestep it. He, he wants her to realize that absolutely the Father never intended that our interactions with Him would just be in special places of worship but rather that we would be able to encounter Him day to day everywhere we go. And Jesus wanted her to know that, that, that she had this limited view that, that God was just something that was up there on the mountain that they would go and worship uh, once a week or whatever. He wanted her to know that, that she could encounter the Father, the Creator of all things, the, the perfect moral being in all places, the Creator that all of all that is, she could encounter him as she was sweeping the floor, as she was gathering food, as she was getting water for the day. The Father is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. It doesn't matter where they are. So be prepared. As you encounter, as you talk with people about uh, things of faith, you have these spiritual conversations with them. Uh, they have all kinds of ideas. I guarantee you these aren't things that they have not thought about. God has created us with this, with this vacuum within us, this, this God-shaped hole that everybody has to deal with. Everybody has to come up with some answers to try and fill what that is that's going on in their life. They have thought about this and they are going to give you some messed up worldview of how they try and explain and, and make sense of what goes on within their life, of what they see around them. It doesn't help just to ignore those things. You need to be prepared to engage in, in talking with them, having a conversation in, in, a, in an open and, and, and free kind of a way, not condemning, not judging, not, oh, that's stupid, but to be able to help them assess where are the weaknesses in their worldview so that then you can present how Jesus gives a complete and perfect explanation to what's going on in their heart, to what they see around them. I have 
recommended this book before. I will continue to recommend it because I think it is a wonderful resource uh, that's available to us. It's uh, Nancy Piercy's book entitled Finding Truth. She gives five principles for unmasking atheism, secularism, and other God substitutes. What she's done is she uses Romans chapter 1. She uses Scripture to to put together a, 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 a plan for how to assess any worldview. It doesn't matter who you come in contact with. No matter what they believe, that you could use these five principles taken from Scripture to assess where are the, the weaknesses, where does this worldview, how does it get away from what the Bible has to say, the truth that we see around us, to help people see the weaknesses of their worldview and then to be able to gently present how Christ answers those questions perfectly and fully. It is a marvelous book and I certainly would encourage you. I think there used to be a copy. I'm not sure if there still is in the back. Um, uh, but it is a, a great book, and, and I, I recommend everybody having that in, in your library and, and read through it and continue to apply its principles in your life. So that fifth principle, be prepared to a address the wrong worldviews that people have. Let's continue reading uh, verse 25. So after Jesus talks about how God is looking for those for those who can worship Him in spirit and in truth, the woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. The sixth and final principle that I see from this passage is introduce them to Jesus. <laughs> there is nothing more important than giving them an opportunity to see the wonder of this man, of this, of this incarnate God who is the maker of all things, who is the source of all things, who is the sustainer of all that is. And yet He humbled Himself, sacrificed Himself out of His love for us so that we could know Him, so that we could be rescued by Him. And how His blood washes the, the, the guilt and sin from our lives. And His resurrection now gives us the power and the ability to be able to live a life that reflects His perfection, His beauty, His character, His essence in our lives. Everything that you do, center it around Jesus. It's so easy to talk about, uh, about morality, about telling people how they need to live a life that's right, how all the things that they're doing are wrong. 
It's, it's also easy to get talked about ritual, about religion, about what are the activities that people need to be involved in to be religious, how, about the, how they have to go to church and how they have to do all these other kinds of things. Um, tell them about Jesus. Introduce them to who He is and allow Him to make a difference in their lives. Let me ask you, are you looking for a life of meaning and purpose? Are you weighed down by depression, anxiety, frustration? There are few things that will bring joy and fulfillment like introducing somebody else to Jesus Christ. Do you feel blah, like your life is going nowhere? Are you just day to day waking up, eating, puttering around the house and going to bed? Is there? Do you feel like there needs to be more in your life? Let me tell you, committing yourself to being an ambassador for the king there is no greater way of living life. There is no better sense of fulfillment, of seeing people respond to the message of Jesus Christ. To know that the things that you are doing aren't just affecting today, but they have lasting impact throughout eternity. Listen to what Jesus said. I read it earlier in the service. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. This interaction that he just had with this woman was far more energizing, far more fulfilling than any eight-course meal he could have ever partaken of. This is what it's all about. Jesus said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Don't say there are four months and then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that both sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you, and let's make this personal, I send you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. And then we go on to see 
the impact of that conversation, how it reaches beyond just that one woman, but to many within that city. Are you, are you ready to live a life that, that has that kind of eternal impact? There are lots, lots of people who need to hear. In your personal interactions, in your day-to-day walking around town, in the things that you do, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at uh, wherever it is that you are, there are people that Jesus is bringing into your life that He wants you to tell about Him. There are people around the world who are looking for answers. You have an opportunity to touch their lives. One of the things that I, that's that's what I love about what I'm doing. Uh, by being able to to be online. I am talking with people. I just have been in conversation with uh, a number of folks from India. We've we've been doing some advertising in India with with the, the ads that we have. And, uh, and we're seeing people from India asking more questions about um, the struggles that they're going through life and how they respond to these. And we are giving them opportunity to to encounter how Jesus makes a difference in their life. I'm uh, talking with people down in, in southern United States uh, that are going through the loss of a tragic loss of their son, two-and-a-half-year-old son who just uh, died. He's been, he's been sick right from the moment that he's been born, and he just passed away. And, and God has given me the opportunity to be able to come alongside this family and help walk with them through this terrible pain that they have. With the Internet, with technology today... We have a global reach. If you are uncertain of how you would have that kind of a conversation with somebody face to face, let me encourage you. Come and talk with me afterwards. We have training that you can go through so that you know how to be able to do those kinds of interactions and conversations with people on the internet. We will train you on, on, on what to say. We give you all kinds of resources, books, uh, links, websites, all kinds of stuff that will help you know what are the answers to the questions that people are asking. Plus, you have the time. You don't have to have the answer right now because they're standing right in front of you. They've sent you an email, and now you have time to respond, to pray and ask God, what does He want you to say Uh, to look through Scripture to find passages that will be meaningful and impactful on their life where they are at. All from the comfort of your home and you can have interactions with people from all over the world. It's a wonderful opportunity. One of the things that we find for people who are uh, actively sharing their faith online is that it becomes more and more natural because they've gone through the process of praying through these questions and trying to figure out how to best respond, what are verses that they can respond with. When they encounter somebody face-to-face that has those same kind of questions, 
They're better prepared and they're able to more effectively share their faith face to face. You want to be an effective ambassador for the gospel of Jesus Christ? You can. He is leading you. He's giving you every opportunity to do that. Let's close with prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, the way that you that you have modeled so well how we can how we can share with those who are hungry, who are thirsty, who need to know you. There's no doubt that we live in a world that is far from you right now. Uh, that's uh, there's it's just everywhere around us it is so easy to get protective and isolate ourselves and miss out on the joy of seeing people move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, to move from, from a, a path of, of eternal destruction and death into a path of eternal life with you. Pray, Lord, that you would not let us stay in that safe place. But just like Jesus, we would walk through life whether we are in the jungles of Guatemala on the deserts of Africa in the flood plains of 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 Asia or right here in our own home that we would take those everyday normal interactions with people and your spirit would lead us to transition those into spiritual conversations that can lead people into a relationship with you. Give us the courage, give us the strength that we need to do that and give us the wisdom so that it's not our words that we are saying but rather it is your message that is being proclaimed to people. Lord, we have, as a church, we have longed to have an impact in the lives of people in our community who are far from you, who have gone generations never knowing you. And there are so many of them around us, Lord. We need your help to see the fruit of that labor come uh, to come in through the harvest. That these white fields here of Arrington, of uh, Parksville, of Qualicum Beach, of Nanus, the whole Oceanside and beyond, Mid-Island, that we would see those white fields brought into harvest.
we pray to see that kind of an awakening happen in this area, in this place. Give us your message to those who are thirsty, those that are hungry, those that are looking for your love. Help us to be effective ambassadors and witnesses of all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.